Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. All right, take your Bibles, go to 1 John chapter 3. And uh, we are going to finish out chapter 3 this morning. And also this will kind of, uh, this will finish out what's basically the first half of the book of 1 John. Uh, Next week we will spend some time in um, Thanksgiving, looking at at Thanksgiving, and then we will um, move on and do uh, Advent. That's that's the word I was trying to think of, Advent, Christmas stuff. So I'm I'm super excited about that. I hope you are too. We're going to, this year for the Advent, we're going to spend some weeks looking at the uh, the, the different themes that are in the Advent wreath, hope, peace, joy, and love, and then culminating with uh, with the Christ candle on, uh, for us, what will be Christmas Eve morning on the 24th. So I'm very excited about that. I hope you are too. We're going to have a great time as we get to sing the best music in the world and look at the greatest story in the world as well. Uh, so if you will, if you'll stand with me, we're going to read 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 through 24. The, the words will be on the screen, so read aloud along with me. It says, This is how we will know that we belong to the truth and will reassure our hearts before him. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, We have confidence before him because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. Now, this is his command that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the chance to gather together and open up your word. And we pray that you will show us this morning the confidence that we can have in Christ Jesus. Pray that you will open up your word, speak to our hearts and our minds this morning. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you. You can have a seat. So this morning's a little bit different. Normally I'm a a three-point guy. But this morning we're going to have kind of one overarching point and then two things that will kind of describe that or kind of kind of flesh that out for us. So our overarching point, the, the main idea that I want you to walk away with this morning is this. Through God's Spirit, we can have confidence in our salvation. Through God's Spirit, we can have confidence in our salvation. Uh, Bill, Billy Graham has said that millions of believers are not certain of their salvation. He said millions of believers are not certain of their salvation, meaning folks who grew up in church or maybe even folks who were saved a little bit later in life walk through most of their life struggling with this idea of confidence or this this idea of assurance or for us, the word that we've been using is struggling with where their identity really is. And the Bible would simply say that we don't have to worry about that. And we're going to look at that this morning. And, And I'm really I've really become convinced that doubt about our salvation is one of Satan's most powerful tools that he uses to combat a new believer's growth in Christ. Because if, if Satan can somehow convince you that you might not really be saved, and, and um, 
begin to attack that assurance, he, it's going to make you a weaker believer than you should be. Then it would, it's, it's going to have you, it's going to mess with the foundation of your faith that's in Christ Jesus. And so this morning, as we close out this first part of 1 John, we're going to hit on a theme that's going to come up again and again and again next spring when we get back and finish out this book. And that is assurance of our salvation, confidence that our identity is secured in Christ. So the first thing that I want us to see in this, in this overarching idea that through God's Spirit we can have confidence in our salvation is this. When our hearts condemn, God comforts. When our hearts condemn, God comforts. Look with me at verse, uh, verses 19 and 20. John writes, This is how we will know that we belong to the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows all things. Now, if you've been a believer for very long, you have probably learned that there will be times that you doubt. You doubt maybe who God is. You doubt whether or not you're saved. And this is what John's getting at when he talks about our hearts condemning us. And if you notice, the way that he explains this here in verse 20, notice he doesn't, he's writing to two people, uh, but, but notice he doesn't say whenever your hearts condemn you. Notice that he includes himself in there whenever our hearts condemn us. And I think that's because at times, even John himself, now remember, John walked with Jesus. John was the disciple whom Jesus loves. And, and the way I see this here, when John says, whenever our hearts condemn us, he's including himself in this reassurance that I think even John had times where he doubted. And so he's not just writing this to, to people off somewhere. He's saying, listen, I, I, I'm included in this. I understand what it means to have your heart condemn you. To have your heart say, listen, are you sure that you're really saved? And yet he says that we can be reassured. Now, why is this? Why is it that our hearts sometimes condemn us? Well, the big reason, I think, is that because our hearts deceive us. Look with me at Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 and 10. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? Uh, that's one that I like that I've highlighted and underlined and everything else to, to try to try to get this across to myself that my heart is deceitful. Your heart is deceitful. This is why I cringe. Every time I hear somebody tell a young man or a young woman, just follow your heart. I really don't know what I should do here. Well, well, sweetheart, you just follow your heart. No! You kidding me? You guys listen to the radio at all? You listen to some of the junk that passes for music these days? And, and you, you're going to tell somebody who likes Florida Georgia line to follow their heart? Are you serious? No. You'll just know what to do. It'll come to you. No, it won't. No. There are, there are lives that have been laid to waste because people have followed their hearts instead of following God's unchanging truth. Right? Because there's going to come a time where you, where you spend 15 minutes staring at your closet trying to decide what shirt you want to wear. Then you'll put it on and 10 minutes later you'll regret that decision. 
Instead, look at what look at what he says in verse 10. I, the Lord, examine the mind, I test the heart to give each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. In other words, here's what he's saying. Your heart will deceive you, but I am the one who tests. Hearts will lead us astray. I know my heart's not infallible, so I choose to trust the scripture. Particularly when it comes to the, those days where I just go, man, am I... Not, not, only, not only am I doing the right thing by being a pastor, man, am I, am I even saved? Like, like, is God's spirit working in and through me? And I read the scripture where it says things like this in Romans 8.1. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. See, when my heart will start to condemn me, the scripture says, no, there's no condemnation. Now, now, let's talk briefly because there will be times that, that you've done something that's wrong and you know it's wrong and, and your heart be, begins to condemn you there. So it, we would say then that, that our heart is justly condemning us for something that we've done. And so how do we respond when that happens? Well, we've, we've already looked at that in 1 John back in chapter 1, verse 9. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, so listen. When sin's brought to your mind, do you know the best way to handle it is to confess it. Confess it. And that simply means agree with God about your sin. And so listen what this does to the power's enemy, right? Or to the the enemy's power. When the enemy starts condemning us, and sometimes, yes, even our own hearts will will condemn us. Do you know what you you do when when your heart starts to condemn you and say, man, you, you realize that you're a sinner, right? You can agree with it. You, you, know you're, you know you're unworthy, right? Yes, I know I'm unworthy. And yet the Bible says, God's word says that because I'm in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation because my sin is forgiven. So for believers, when our hearts condemn us, we can allow God, and as John says in verse 20, uh, whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts, and he knows all things. We can allow God, who is greater than our hearts, to comfort us. Now, now really quickly, because I think this is important to say here, this only applies to followers of Christ, to, to those who have been saved. So if you're here and you've not yet accepted the free gift of salvation that's available, you can't claim this promise yet. And and the last thing I would ever want to do is to give someone false assurance who has not taken that step of faith to place your faith and trust in Christ Jesus. And so if that's you today, if you you look and say, "I'm, I'm not sure that I've ever taken that step, I'm not sure that I've trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior, I would simply ask you this morning, what's stopping you? Why not today? Why not let today be the day that you say, I stepped from death to life in Christ Jesus? If that's you, I'd love to visit with you as soon as this message is over, when we stand to sing here in, here in just a bit. I'd love to, to visit with you and let you know how you can come to know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. But if you're here and you are a believer in Christ, and you know that, that you've placed your faith and your trust in Christ, and yet at times you still doubt or you still, you still feel those uh, arrows of condemnation from the enemy, stake your claim on this promise. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. 
that God is still working on you to shape you and mold you into the image of Christ. And hallelujah, one day, either at the end of this life or when Christ Jesus returns, you're going to be that finished masterpiece. So so that's the first thing I want us to understand is that when our hearts condemn as believers in Christ, God comforts with his word and with his spirit, reminding us that, no, we are in Christ Jesus and our sins are forgiven. The second thing that I want us to understand is this, that faith worked out in obedience leads to confidence. Faith worked out in obedience leads to confidence. Uh, And here's what I mean by that. We'll pick up in verse 21. It says, Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. Now this is his command, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. See, a lot of times I think, that, that we've created this false dichotomy between faith and obedience. Because anytime we start talking about obedience, if, maybe it's just my own sinful heart and my own rebel spirit. But like anytime I, I start hearing the word obedience, like, like I almost bristle. Like, don't you dare tell me what I have to do. I, I will I'll figure out my own rules, thank you very much, right? And, and maybe I'm the only one, maybe, maybe I'm the only one with a wicked heart here. But, but that's just my, that, that's my, that's my response. And, and there have been times in my life where I've been quick to say, well, no, I, I live by faith, not, not, by, not by the law. And, and that's true, but listen, faith leads to obedience. A heart that's trusting in Christ Jesus through faith We'll want to please him in our thoughts and in our actions. And you can't separate the two. So as you have faith in Christ, and as that faith works itself out in obedience to God's commands, namely to love God completely and love others compassionately, that will lead to confidence in your relationship with Christ. That will lead to assurance of salvation. How? Because you'll begin to see how you're being changed by this faith in Christ. I trusted in Christ. And he went to work on my heart, which has caused me to walk in obedience to him. And now I can look back and see how far I've come as a child of God. Not not where I want to be. I'm I'm not perfect and you're not going to get there. Not perfection, but I can see progress in my relationship with Christ. And, and, and ironically, the deeper your faith grows, the more you will strive to be obedient, and the more ways you'll come to see all, all the ways that you aren't obedient, which will cause your, your appreciation for the grace of God uh, worked out in your life to grow, which, get this, will increase your faith, which will increase your obedience, which will expose your lack of obedience in some areas, which will cause your grace, your, your appreciation for the grace of God to increase, which will increase your faith. You see how it goes here. Having faith in Christ and living in obedience to God are not different ideas. They are linked together. 
You can't separate the two. In fact, in John 14, Jesus says this, If you love me, you will keep my commands. Now, I'm not an expert in the Greek language, but I think this is pretty cut and dried, right? If you love me. Another way when we talk about our love for, for Christ, we talk about placing our faith in him. Right? So as, as we love him, as we come to grow in our love for him, as we come to grow in our faith in him, that leads to obedience. I will never understand how, how believers in Christ or folks who claim to be believers in Christ can, can have, even if they're not explicitly saying it, can have this attitude of, you know, ultimately it doesn't matter how I live. Ultimately, how I live doesn't matter because my faith is in Christ. Almost like, like we treat our salvation as if it was a get-out-of-hell-free card, and I've got that card with me all the time. And when this life is over, all i got to do is walk in and slap that card down, and, and St. Peter's going to have no choice but to let me in. And, and In which case, I would say, listen, if you can live that way, you have grossly misunderstood what it means to be a follower of Christ. Because in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul said this, you were bought with a price, and you're not your own. So glorify God in your body. In other words, when you come to, to faith in Christ Jesus, you've laid your own life down. Paul went so far in Galatians 2.20 as to say, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. Paul would say it this way, we've been set free from sin. Now think about that for a second. We've been set free from sin. In, in our uh, small group this morning, we were walking through the book of Galatians, and we were in Galatians 4. And, um, Galatians 4, Paul talks about how we are no longer slaves. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to the law. We're, we, we're now sons and, and daughters and heirs to Christ Jesus. Now, now think about that for just a second. We, we, we talked about how we as, we as people will be slaves to something. Have you noticed that? That, that as human beings, we are wired to worship something. And make no mistake, if you choose to worship something other than Almighty God, that place of worship will be taken by something, whether that's your job whether that's your kids, whether that's your favorite sports team. We, we don't really wrestle with that in New Mexico because most of our sports teams are terrible, right? But, but <laughs> you know, we, we talked a little bit. I don't know if anybody watched the, uh, um, the Alabama-Mississippi State game last night. Um, we kind of joked in Sunday school, you know, Alabama football is, is almost an idol unto itself in a way that maybe nothing else is. And, I mean, you would have had folks this morning in mourning for weeks. Alabama, Alabama won the game. It was, it was awesome. It was exciting. 
I can't stand them, but it was fun. It was fun to watch. Um, make no mistake, you will worship something. And if we claim to be followers of Christ, certainly that thing that should occupy that place of honor and of respect and of admiration in our life must be God Almighty. So so how does all this work? How does our love for God and our faith in Christ Jesus lead to obedience and confidence? In 1 John chapter 5, which I know I'm skipping ahead, we're going to get there uh, next spring, sometime next February or March. But this is what he says there. He said, this is how we know that we love God's children. When we love God and obey his commands. Again, you see how those things are linked. You can't separate love for God from obedience to his commands. For this is what love for God is. To keep his commands. And I love this next phrase. And his commands are not a burden. His commands are not a burden. A burden because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Why do we say his, his commands are not a burden? Because in 1 John 3, verse 23, John lays out as simply as possible this command that he's talking about here. He says, says it this way, Now this is his command, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. There's this command. Love God. Believe in Christ Jesus and love one another. As a follower of Christ, you don't have to live your life by, by a strict set of rules. strict set of regulations. Instead, Jesus made it as simple as possible. Love God. Place your faith in Christ. And let that love for God spill out and love one another. See, see, if we see God as this harsh dictator who's constantly giving us lists of things we should do and things we shouldn't do and, and almost waiting, um, anticipating us messing up so that he can somehow uh, judge us or, or send some, some sort of harsh consequences to, to our lives, you, you will live your life in fear. You, li- you live your life terrified of messing up. And instead, Jesus said, listen, it's, it's really simple. You, you love God and you love other people. And, and you come to know what love of God and love of other people look like through, it, through this book. And when you mess up and you're going to mess up, you rest on the grace of God to pick you up and set you on your way and walk with you and lead you each and every step of this journey of faith. And then as John begins to wrap up his book, he begins to wrap up this letter, he says this. He says, the one who has the Son has life. First John 5, 12. The one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. He doesn't mince words, right? It makes it pretty black and white. If you have Christ Jesus the Son, you have life. If you don't, you don't have life. Dead in sin, alive in Christ. Those are our only two options. But then he says this. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. If you're a follower of Christ, 
God would not have you constantly wondering, man, am I saved? Is this true? Do I really not have to worry about turning left instead of turning right and blowing up God's plan for my life? No, no, he says, I've written these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life. And so as we close this morning, I have just a couple of very quick questions for us. Those are simply this. Today, can you say that you have confidence that your life is secure with Christ? Can you say, man, I I know, I know that my life is secured in Christ. Not that you live perfectly, but that you know that you've placed your faith and trust in him and that you're secure. And then secondly, for for believers, for those who would say, yes, I know that I I know that I have that assurance. Um, Second question is this. When you take stock of your life. Does your love for God and your faith in Christ lead you to obey his commands? As you look back on the last year or two years of your life, do you see progress in your obedience and in your faith and your trusting in Christ, in your love for God and love for other people? Not, not perfection, but do you see progress Can you declare confidently, look, I know I'm not where I should be. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not even maybe where God wants me to be, but praise God, I'm not who I was. Through my faith in Christ, I'm not who I was. And I can see how God's working me into the masterpiece that he wants me to be. Maybe this morning you just want to come and pray and Ask God to reveal those areas of your life where, where maybe your obedience is lacking, where, where you've not made that connection completely between faith and obedience. Maybe you recognize that, that uh, um, your love for others is not where it should be. Your, your love, the love that you claim you have for God and the love that you have for others is, is disconnected there. And, and again, the best thing to do when God reveals something like that is just to confess it. You're not going to shock him by your confession. Lord, I don't love others the way I should. <gasps> no, that's not going to be his response. His response is going to be, yeah, I, I know. I know. And my son already paid for that sin in your life, so let's go. Let me show you how to love one another. But this morning, if you'd say, man, I, I don't have that confident assurance. I, I can't say for sure that that I'm in Christ Jesus. Maybe you see a pattern of lack of disobedience in your life and that that doesn't line up with with a confession that you you say you've made when when you were younger. And so maybe today you just want to nail that down and say, um, I want to to leave here today knowing for sure that my life is secure in Christ Jesus. If that's the case, I'll be right down here. Chuck will be right over here. We'd love to to pray with you and let you know um, how you can have that confident assurance. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We, we thank you so much for the chance to be here, and we thank you for the grace that's made available to us in Christ Jesus. I pray that we would be people who are boldly confident in our faith in Christ. 
not, not, not a confidence that leads to arrogance, but a humble confidence that says, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm unworthy. And yet I've come to understand what Christ Jesus did for me. To wipe the slate of my sins free. Wipe it clean so that I could be free from the power of sin in my life. So God, in those moments where our hearts condemn us, whether it's something that we know we've done that that we haven't yet confessed, or uh, in in those moments, would you help us to confess it quickly? In those moments where our hearts maybe unjustly condemn us, will you remind us of the truth in Romans 8.1, that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, and and the truth that we saw this morning in 1 John 3, that, that you are greater than our hearts. God, if there's anyone in the room who who doesn't have that confidence, who can't say, I know that I'm saved. I know I've crossed that line of faith. And and here's the evidence in my life of what God is doing in and through me. I pray today's the day. Capture their hearts. Don't let them get out the room without having settled eternity. Thank you so much for the grace that's available to us in Christ Jesus that allows us not to live in fear, but to live in confidence that we are saved and that regardless of what happens in this life, we are secure with you. May that lead to our chasing after Christ Jesus and becoming more and more like him each and every day in our lives. We ask all these things in his precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.